Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another live stream of the Strutty Cast. This will go out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts later on. But for now, you can watch it live on YouTube, Facebook and on Periscope. So last night, Manchester United got the result that they, they craved. The progress in the Europa League. I'm joined by Mike. Um, Performance-wise, Mike, we didn't really get going uh, in the first half. It took us a while. It was like the first leg, really, at Old Trafford. But eventually, we got over the line. And defensively, we we didn't have too much to deal with. But the the back four dealt with everything, and so did Henderson. It was it was night and day that if it was to United in the the second half to the first half, um, United in the first half were very poor, and Milan started to apply a lot of pressure towards the end of that half. And I was getting really worried about what was happening because United just seemed to be dropping deeper and deeper and deeper and retreating into their old box. But Pogba's impact coming on as a half-time substitute, I asked you before the game, I was like, how fit is he? Because we hadn't seen sight and sound of him for six weeks or something like that. Um, and he just made all the difference in the world. United went at Milan early to try and push and get a goal and then put the pressure back onto Milan. That was the key for United. If United could score first that it pretty much cancels out the advantage that Milan had gained for the first leg. And suddenly the ball is then put into United's court and we're back in the driver's seat. I thought the defence was excellent. Obviously, Milan, for uh, for a substantial portion of the game, didn't didn't have a striker. They didn't have a proper striker out there. Um, obviously, uh, Ibrahimovic was back, but wasn't 100%, although he did cause a few problems, especially with balls coming into the box later on, but I felt United dealt with it very well. I thought Henderson made a terrific save from him in the second half. Um, but you could see the impacts of not having anti Rebic and Rafael Liao on uh, on Milan's attack. I think it blunted them quite a bit, really. But um, listen, United can only beat what's put in front of them. And United have tended to choking these games in the last couple of years so it's really good for United to go away from home and go and get that win and keep a clean sheet it's hugely important I thought the defence was excellent yesterday they were especially in the second half they were really aggressive and you just I said this last week United's defence seems to be freed up to be so much more aggressive against other teams with Henderson in net as opposed to De Gea because maybe they're a little less worried he's going to drop a rick and um Obviously, Henderson's distribution, especially when he's throwing, is much better as well. So, it gives United an out ball um, when Henderson picks up the ball. It brings us on to the next topic, really. You know, staying on the game with Dean Henderson, you know, arguably now first choice for England, um, should be first choice for Manchester United. And on this podcast, we've spoken uh, at length about uh, whether it's time to throw him in. And I think what we both said is, well, we're not going to know unless he gets a run of 10 or so games. The thing with Henderson is, and I said it last week, he made a costly mistake in the first leg. 
Um, and it was something that I wanted to see him bounce back from. He did that and more. Um, he, the chance last night that Slatsan had in the second half, that was buried into the back of the net. That was a, that was a, the type of goal that Slatsan scores regularly. And he, he's, put a strong arm to it, kept it out and kept United in the, in, in the draw, in the, in the draw, you could say. Um, but Mike, going to, going into the weekend, David De Gea will have more training sessions under his belt. He, you know, he, he, he's back with the team now. He was, he was there last night in Milan. What does Solskjaer do before the international break? Because he, he has said on record that the the place will be Henderson's until then. But I would argue that it should be Henderson's between now and the end of the season at the very least. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've been very open that he needs a run of many games in a row to really build a relationship with the defenders and settle into the team, understand the pattern of play and whatnot. And also De Gea's consistent uh, errors over the last two and a half years have really um, don't really warrant him getting a place in the team. So what Solskjaer does is do what he's been doing for the last few weeks, which is put Dean Henderson in goal. That's all he needs to do. It's very, very simple. Um, I think uh, certainly his first choice for England, that's almost more certain for me than, than it is seems to be for United right now because Jordan Pickford, I mean, you've got to be joking, haven't you? There's no way he's as good. He's not as good as Dean Henderson. You don't see Dean Henderson doing the crazy stuff that Pickford does. Um, so I, I think, uh, for me, Henderson should be first choice of club and country, certainly till the end of the season. And then we can sort of look back and review everything, see where we are. But I just, like I said a couple of minutes ago, the defence looks so much more assured and unable to go and be aggressive and proactive with Henderson in that than they have been with De Gea. The, the way in which Milan approached the game, and I suppose you look at their starting lineup, were you were you surprised by how, how poor they were? Um, in the in the first leg, I, t- I thought they kind of threatened us a little bit more, and I was a little bit more fearful going into the game last night that we wouldn't have it all our own way. But we controlled the game throughout, I would argue. Uh, I wouldn't agree about the first half, Dale. United were very passive in the first half. I don't think we controlled the game. And Milan looked like they were more likely to score in the first half than United did. The second half, United controlled the game. I think Milan's absentees really probably got the better of them. Those are some real big absentees for them to lose up front. You don't have a recognised striker. You know, No Mandzukic available. No Rafael Liao. No Anti Rebic, who's a huge player for them. Um, and also they were missing arguably their best centre-half in, in Romagnoli as well. But like I said, it doesn't matter. United had to beat what was in front of them. And listen, United have come up against worse teams than that Milan team this season and been considerably worse. So um, I, I think it was important for United psychologically to get over the line. Um, I wasn't that surprised at Milan being that poor because United tends to be better away from home in these kind of situations. So it didn't surprise me at all, Dale. Yeah, I, I, I think with that United being better from home, what I was kind of more worried about was we kind of let, we didn't do enough in the first leg and we were leaving it all into the very big away game. And the fears of that going into the game, I was thinking last night that this is arguably our biggest game of the season. Um, and it was a big win. It was a huge win. It felt like our biggest game of the season. It felt like something important. Um, and it's not, we've, we've been in Europa League campaigns in the past. And I don't think that's always the case when you played in this competition. You kind of you kind of take each round as they come and you, you hop over it and you get into the next one. But there's something about drawing a side or a club like AC Milan that I guess adds to the romance of being maybe a second-rate competition that kind of makes it feel a bit more important. Do you get that, Mike? Do you get when when we got AC Milan right, these are two big clubs, rather than saying drawing, I don't know, Granada, who we could get in the quarterfinals? Well, I mean, we've pretty much just knocked the other main big team out of the competition, Dale. If you if you look yeah. at who's left in the look at who's left in the draw, you'd say the next biggest team left in the draw in terms of big clubs, you look at Roma. Ajax, Arsenal, the the only really other big punchers left in the draw. And there's no reason United shouldn't be beating any of those teams, really. Especially when you look at the discrepancy in in uh, investment and budget that United have got compared to those teams. So that is what I said when we were previewing 
this game on uh, Monday, I said this was a hugely important game for both teams in relation to this competition because I felt both teams would have looked at that and thought, if we can knock off the other team, that really opens what you can see, a clear visual route for us to the final in, in Gdansk in May um, with maybe a slight possibility of crowd. No guarantees, of course, but a uh, huge, huge result for United. And they and they needed it. You know, this was... Um, United needed to start off this week uh, well because this is a big week um, for, for the manager as well as the players, especially in light of his comments about uh, winning trophies this week. Okay, we we need to get onto that, don't we? We need to get on. While, while I share my thoughts, can you try and get up his precise comments? Because the, t- the thing about that press conference was he, he, he answered a question, and I actually think that he clearly didn't answer the way he wanted to because he goes on later in that press conference and he speaks about the significance of winning trophies. When he, when, when he said that, I think he was making a point and probably didn't word it very well, but the point stands. And I think Owen Hargreaves got onto it last night on BT Sport that, yeah, a lot of managers use winning trophies as an ego trick because a lot of trophies, a cup competitions, we'll say, can be can be It's contradicting. He's basically having a dig at himself two years ago, Dale, when he took a dig at Pochettino for only finishing in the top four and not winning trophies, which is exactly what he did a couple of years ago. So that directly conflicts with what he said two years ago, and I think it would create some cynicism amongst United, some United fans. Certainly, me, that makes you think, "Wow, it's just like." Joel Glazer piped those words into his ears. Have you got the quotes? Have you got what, what he said in front of you? Yeah, so I've just got it up now. He said that I've been here for two and a half years and coming in, I've said many times, I felt a big rebuild had to be made. In the league position, you see, if there's any progress for me, that's always the bread and butter of the season. You see how capable you are of coping with ups and downs. Any cup competition can give you a trophy, but it's more of an ego thing from other managers and clubs to finally win something which pretty much directly contradicts what he said a couple of years ago when he first came in to the job. But we need progress, and if we need to perform well enough, the trophies will end up at the club again. It's not like a trophy will say that we're back. No, it's a gradual progression of being in and around the top league. And the consistency and other trophies, sometimes a cup competition can hide the fact that you're still struggling a bit. Um, I kind of understand some of where he's coming from, but that does sound like the priority for United is to just finish in the top four every season and not doing anything else. That's what that sounds like to me. Well, I think, no, I, I think what he's speaking about is he wants to see progress in the league, which is our bread and butter. Bread and butter is the league every season. You want to do well in the league. And the other things, they, they, they just come part of it, you would think. You know, this season and last season, you could not throw it on Solskjaer that we don't care about cup competitions because we, we, we're going well, out and we're did, trying, we're did his comments suggest that Alex Ferguson wanted to win trophies even when United come in the league was that an ego thing then for Alex well, Ferguson well no it wasn't because playing? no what, what, what he is saying is you're, we're, we're, we're in, the, in the process of a transition and we're, we're getting better which we I think we've seen I think at the end of the season we want to prove that I, I feel to prove that we would need to win trophies I don't agree with what Solskjaer the quote that you're saying but he's making a point that a lot of managers win cup competition or cup trophy tr- cup competitions, but the bread and butter for Manchester United is to win the league, is to be back on top of English football. And but at the end of the day, Solskjaer needs a trophy because he's not going to win the league this season. So second place, really, you know, we should we should be achieving second place. That shouldn't be a problem. Looking at the Europa League now, we're going to get onto it shortly before we wrap it up and talk about the draw today and who we want. But looking at the teams left in that, there's no one I fear. No one I fear. And, and, can, I, can, I, and, can, I just, can I just pull up what he said uh, back in January 2019? Here you go. This is what he said about... Um, this is sort of the highlights of when he was asked about... Because uh, Pochettino said... Exactly this, what Solskjaer said this week about trophies just being a build-up for the ego. This is what Pochettino said this a couple of years ago. 
And Solskjaer was asked to respond to this at a press conference in January 2019. So at this point, he's still the interim. I'm not here to discuss what Pochettino says and what other managers say, but we are about winning trophies. Of course we are. We can't win the league this year. We're still in the cup. Going to try win the FA Cup. If you win for trophies, that's a fantastic day for everyone in the club. The best time of your life is that day when you win because you never know when the next one's going to come. I am just saying that we here at this club are looking to win trophies. I mean, that's almost the, the polar opposite of what you said here this week. Yeah, I, I, I think as well, if you're going to go through, like, look, I've, I've said it before about Pochettino and it never really bothered me coming up in conversation when people are saying, well, he never won a trophy. How could you say that he should manage Manchester no, United? No, we both, we, I think we both agreed on that because of his comparative lack of resources to yeah, the other teams yeah. around him in terms of the backing. The job he did was a minor miracle. And I would argue Spurs have been worse since, he, since he's gone. Yeah. Mourinho oh, has been worse than Pochettino. And I could have told Spurs that before they made that decision. The, the, the big difference here, though, between... Solskjaer and Pochettino. Okay, Solskjaer's in his second season in charge. A trophy is expected now. And when you're managing Manchester United and you're managing Spurs, I think, you know, Pochettino right up at Spurs, they weren't expected to win trophies. He he brought them to a new level. He brought them to he brought them to regular Champions League football. He brought them to a Champions League final. That's when trophies started to be demanded. Mourinho's come in, they've gone backwards. But with Solskjaer, can't go three years as Manchester United manager without a trophy, I don't feel. And that's what bothered me about those specific comments because he does go on later in, in that press conference and say trophies are important. And, and he said it again last night. He said it again about confidence growing in the dressing room after beating Milan 1-0. But the significance of winning a trophy this season has nothing to do with an ego. Um, the significance of winning a Europa League or an FA Cup this season comes within the squad and getting a taste of success because what what this team lacks for me is we've seen it some weeks this season where we've been really really good really really good football and then for five weeks after it's dreadful it's really bad yeah it's 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 putting in the performances and getting the results when it really really counts yeah in in really pressure situations and i don't think united have done that under Solskjaer. really i don't think they've done that you know no, they, they, they can pull a performance. They, they pull a performance out. I've noticed when it seems like the speculation over Solskjaer reaches kind of a fever pitch, then United seem to pull out a performance. So uh, you know that was. A, I thought I had a little bit of that in my head when we beat City recently. It was like if United had lost that game to City and and, and lost as as badly as I was as I thought we would. I mean, that would have just, speculation would have just gone, people would have been going, why didn't United just hire Pochettino when he was available? That's what would have happened. Um, So, yeah, they need to, especially with losing, what, uh, three three semi-finals in a row and then losing that League Cup semi-final to City as well in the season. It's not a a good look. So United really needed to... um, they, oh, sorry, no, four semi-finals because it was played over one leg. The, the Carabao Cup semi-final this year. So United really needed to. They they needed to win this game. And they need to win one of these two competitions this year as well as finish second. Because otherwise, it'll like I said last week, it will be like the second that we got under Mourinho, where we finished second, but we were a country mile behind Manchester City and we didn't win anything. You know, we we had that FA Cup final where we were so bad in that cup final. Against, I think it was against Chelsea, and you almost felt that that was the beginning of the end, really, for Mourinho. No, absolutely. Um, moving on, we're going to talk about the draw. Um, Manchester United are in the quarterfinals Europa League, as we've been speaking about. Spurs, who we've touched on, are not after last night's absolute disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Thrown away at two goals. And, and Rangers, and Rangers, they're out as well. And Rangers, and Rangers as well. So, and, and just on Rangers, okay. Because we're not one of those mainstream media platforms. We're independent. Make sure you follow Stratycast on on Spotify and so on. But we never bigged up this Rangers show, okay? Rangers won the SPL this season. And and all of a sudden, BT Sport, after the the last round, they went into this kind of little segment about what teams Manchester United should be looking to avoid. And Jay Humphreys pushed... 
skulls on whether we should be looking to avoid rangers. And this was this is complete crap, you know, like there's mo- a lot of teams that are left in that draw will be rubbing their hands at the draw of Rangers. Don't be daft. I think um, I I mentioned them as a team that worried me, not because I didn't think United could beat them, but I just thought if United went into that one of those games against Rangers half-cooked, Steven Gerrard would have really wanted to beat United, then that could be really embarrassing. That's why Rangers worried me as a draw. Not because I don't think we're capable of beating them, because I think we are. You know, I don't think the uh, lads would let that happen, but I don't think the lads would let that happen. Rangers, they would have been well roiled up for that. I, I actually wanted Rangers um, in the previous round, but I was happy with with with, 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 um, with AC Milan. And um, with that, you won't be shocked to hear who I want in the next round, Mike. But is there any teams of the seven possible that jump out at you as a tasty type? Um, <clears throat> so I think. I don't really want Arsenal because those domestic all domestic ties in European games tend to be really poor, and that's just not what I want. And plus, the the two games that we played against Arsenal this season were so awful. I really don't want to have to watch us play them again because they were awful matches. Both of them were awful, so I don't want to have to sit and watch that again. Um, I think um, I think if we got Roma. That would be a really good tie. I think you get two very good games out of Roma. And I also think United can beat them. I don't think Roma are as good a side as, as, as Milan. United, it's, look at the, the teams left in this draw. You've got Ajax, Dinamo, Zagreb, Granada, Slavia Prague, Villarreal. You should be beating all of these teams, Dale. So I don't, for me, I think in terms of a, a really good game, I would like Roma because I think it'd be a good tie. But in terms of, does anyone worry me? No. It'd be more of a case of United beating themselves. Yeah. No, I look, yeah, looking at the teams left in it, um, I'm going to say it, it, it's a pretty poor latter stage of the Europa League because I, I, don't, look, I don't see any team there that, that I think will trouble us. Like Seville are usually that kind of banana skin, skin left in the, the Europa League, but they, they, they're not in it this year. Um, the team that jumps out to me, Mike, who I want in the round this, or draw this morning is Ajax for the sheer reason of the romance of the tie. And um, we had that in the last round with AC Milan. And when you're in the Europa League, I kind of said it that it's nice to get a big draw because, look, I fancy us beating all the remaining teams in it. It's a, it's a good trip. It's a good stadium for the players to play at. Good surface. And I know there's easier draws in it, but the thing is, it's staying up, those late games, working for those late games in the Europa League that kick off at 8 o'clock, sometimes when, 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 the, when the opposition isn't too attractive, they, that, that can be tough. I think without the fans, it doesn't quite have the same feeling of glamour about it, I have to say. Um, and obviously this Ajax team, certainly not a bad team, but it's not quite at the level of the Ajax team a couple of years ago, the one that went to the Champions League semi-final. They've been shown of a few players, but they still have some good players People like David Neres, Dusan Tadic is there. Got a young player called Anthony, who's a very good young forward. So there's some good players there. But I, I, I mean, I personally would still prefer Roma. I actually feel that feels like a bigger tie. Yeah, and look, there's, there's loads of ones in that would be good. Roma would be a big tie. I think Villarreal wouldn't be a bad one either. Bringing back Eric Bali, of course, Ajax, Donny van der Beek. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. You can't really say too much about the Europa League draw until it's made. We'll probably do another show on that later on in the weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Make sure you check out the blog for coverage of that draw after this podcast on strettynews.com. And again, another mention for the podcast, Strettycast. We need more subscribers. Make sure you get over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you use, as well as YouTube. You can follow or subscribe to Stretty News TV. Moving on. Um, we need to speak about Paul Pogba. We need to speak about Paul Pogba, Mike, because Paul Pogba, as we said, is get, is gets lots of criticism on his podcast, but I won't criticize him when he does good, when he, when he, when he plays well uh, and when he deserves criticism. He came back last night, came back with a bang, impact off the bench, goal after a few minutes. And not only that, throughout the game, it was the kind of performance that I think... When you think of Pogba, it's what you want to see. You want to see players dragging out of them. They just can't. They can't get anywhere near. Milan couldn't get anywhere near Pogba, 
Uh, that's what we wanted to see, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, very much so. Pogba is, is what you would call a press-resistant player. So he's someone that he, he's quite hard to actually, when it's, team tries to obviously press the opposition it, it's kind of hard with him because a because his his vision for passing is very good um in the way he reads the game is actually very good so he's able to see a pass really even before the other team starts pressing it and also his, his ability to carry the ball his dribbling is excellent his technique it's almost like the ball is glued to his foot when he can run forward sometimes in the way he kind of as you mentioned there just sort of drags the ball around in in between his feet you know um, and it almost makes you tear your hair out in frustration when he goes and does has that second half that he did because he changed that game. He completely changed the complexion of the game when he came on. Suddenly, everything opened up because Bruno Fernandes looked shattered in that first half. He was really struggling to get in that game. His passing radar was off. Um, wasn't helped by the fact that United players weren't committing themselves to getting the box more. But having Pogba there, and it is why I think... I think you may have mentioned this actually uh, on Monday. Is that United maybe should be looking to a McTominay and, and Pogba partnership behind Fernandez going forward for the rest of the season? Because obviously McTominay can do the closing down and shutting down. But Pogba just links United from back to front so much better. And it means Bruno Fernandes may not have to drop as deep so much to pick up the ball. Bruno Fernandes could stay a little bit further up the field. I mean, he's. He's got 23 goals, haven't this year, Fernandez, or something yeah. like that. He's scored, yeah. he's scored a yeah. lot of goals. So you kind of think you want him further up the pitch at all times and allow Pogba just be a little deeper and just thread the thread everything together a little bit more and, and, and join things up. So the difference he made was it's and, and the, the such composure as well on that goal, Dale, because it was a tight spot. You've got bodies, legs flying around in that area. And he just finds that little space to smack the ball into the net, which someone, someone will say, well, he's like four yards out. Yeah, but when you've got everyone's flying, the amount of times I've seen players miss those in those situations or just hit it straight at the goalkeeper or an opposition player because they kind of panic with all the players flying in around them and bodies in the box. Then there's Milan players practically in the goal as he as he hits that. Um, it, it really, it makes such a difference. And... He could be a big difference maker. You know, if he, if he stays fit between now and the end of the season, um, United will 100% finish second in the league. And it gives United a real shot of winning a trophy. Because I think, weirdly, obviously, Pogba, he had, by the sounds of it, he had long, what they call long COVID. So the effects of COVID seem to be with him for several months after it, apparently he'd had it in terms of like his. Um, he was struggling with his uh, his breathing, his cardiovascular fitness was was a mess, which may go some way to explaining why he was so sluggish in, in certain games. Um, but it was something that, that he said that it, it had an impact on him even a couple of months after it, it apparently cleared up. And then he'd been injured for a few weeks. So it's almost like he's almost coming in. He's kind of fresh, if that makes sense. You know, he's got less mileage on the clock than some of the other players this season. A fantastic opportunity now for United. He can really knit things together. And we've obviously Rashford picking up another niggle last night and not being quite 100%. United needs somebody else coming in right now and supporting Bruno Fernandes and the quite sterling work Luke Shaw is doing up and down that left flank. Yeah, no, Pogba made a, made a huge difference last night. It was Rolls Royce in the pitch, touch of class whenever he was on the ball. But Rashford, I thought, it didn't surprise me to see him come off at half time. He he's not he's not right. He's not a hundred percent. No, nowhere um, close. No, no, no. He's really not. And to be honest, I'm beginning to worry a little bit about Rashford, and it's long term worries because he suffered a really bad injury last season, which he came back from. Um, and since then he's had this shoulder problem, which he's played on with. Finally, he, he, he's, he's still getting by. He's still scoring goals. But there's a European Championship coming up this summer, and Rashford needs surgery. Now, the problem I have is that they're waiting until after the European Championships to give him that surgery, okay? And, and that, that means that he's going to miss a start next season. I want to know how long he's going to miss of next season because the longer we're putting this on uh, and playing him through injury, I'm sorry, that, that can't be good. No, I just wonder, uh, Solskjaer was um, saying that um, both Cavani and Martial are going to be back imminently. Um, I think Martial particularly will be 
obviously I'm not a huge fan of his, but it'd be good to have him back because you can maybe um, just take Rashford out for four or five games and pop Martial in on that left hand side um, to to sort of replace uh, to 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 replace Rashford really because yeah I, I don't think I don't think I mean I don't think the Euro should even be going ahead. It's just just so stinks of money grabbing by UEFA for this competition to be going ahead should not be going ahead the players players across the board are going to be knackered you're going to have next season I reckon all of the first half of next season is going to be disrupted by injuries and then the year after that you've got this World Cup which expanded World Cup by the way which is going to cut in straight through the middle of the season I think it's absolutely ridiculous Dale England not going to win the Euros anyway, so who gives a shit? He's not missing anything. Yeah, no, I do think about these international. Like a give a toss about England. <laughs> no, I, 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 I do, I do. Look, the internationals, especially during the season, these ones coming up, are are a complete joke. Um, because it's money what, grabbing. What... It's shameless money grabbing by UEFA and the national associations. They have no concern for the welfare of the players. We were already struggling. Look at the volume. I, I don't ever remember seeing a volume of injuries uh, amongst teams that I've, I've seen this season. And what, why is this? It should not be going ahead. And also you've got the, the travel issues as well. I mean, I know that we've got vaccines being rolled out now, but I mean, let's be honest, Dale. Realistically, there isn't going to be any any even small to mid-scale, you know, kind of mid-scale travelling around. Probably for the rest of the year. I mean, realistically, certainly not uh, interna- not international travel. I, I, I think there's, there's no way. There may be some small scale, but there won't be anything more. So, I mean, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of crowds are you going to have at these Euros? And then how much is it going to cost for the actual, um, you know, look at the clubs or the associations whose stadiums are hosting games. How much is it costing them to host a game that doesn't have full capacity? This is something that was spoken about Earlier in the season, when they were they, they kind of test run having, I think three or four thousand fans in grounds for games, and the amount it would have actually cost United even more money to have three or four thousand fans in the ground than to have no fans in because of all the <laughs> logistical element, policing, all of this stuff. That clubs have to just, uh, I think it's a I think it's a disgrace. Frankly, that this competition is even going ahead. It just shouldn't it shouldn't be happening, and. Um, the, the fact that we're even having these internationals, what's the point of these internationals? Are they just friendlies? What, what's going on here? World Cup qualifiers. Uh, hey, in March. Uh, no, but, but the thing is, the thing is, it's it's a joke because you're talking about World Cup qualifiers, the European Championships starting in a few months, and it's all being crammed in. You're talking about next season players having more injuries. They're going to be all be burnt out. And I, you know, looking at Rashford playing the past few months with Knox and not being a hundred percent, I'm not sure about that. Look, at the end of the day, I'm also what not happens sure to someone like Maguire, who's played up pretty much every game this season, Dale? What happens to him? You know how he's? I, you just get this horrible feeling. That someone like Maguire is just going to be completely exhausted. You know, come but, come the we... beginning of next season, or you look at Fernandez; he's already starting to look tired and then you have these euros and suddenly what's going on i want to be blunt about this because football football is a tough industry and managers get fired don't get results whose job is it to worry about players being burnt out because no the reason i ask is because so rashford has two managers doesn't he he's his top player He's got Solskjaer, he's got Gareth Selke. And both of them want him playing for their teams. Okay, So they're not worried about him burning out. They just want him playing every game. Who, who is it to stand in? Is it Rashford to put my hand up and say, look, I, I, I need a breather? Because I don't expect Solskjaer to, 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 to basically risk losing games by leave, leaving out his best player. Unless that player puts his hand up and says, I'm too tired, I need a rest. And that's this a is the thing. Story. What is what is what is Rashford bringing to the table in this state at the moment, Dale? He's not really bringing right. anything uh, because he's not capable of like really being able to push himself. And it's better to have him not there. He's a fantastic player, but look at England's options. Like 
they can go without Dale. They can go without Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane, Jaden Sancho, Sancho, um, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Yeah, Graylish. You've uh, Bamford. Come on. Um, Yeah, England aren't. You know they've got plenty of plenty of options there. So I I just think this is crazy. So moving on before we get to question time, which I think is everyone's favourite on the podcast at the moment, uh, we're going to look at the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. That's the next game before the international break. Manchester United take on Leicester City away from home. Leicester have been very good in the league the past few years. You know, after winning the title, they didn't really suffer a, a, a downslide. They've stayed there, thereabouts. Arguably, we've said, as we said before, probably a better team now under Rodgers. So this is their opportunity to win a trophy, Mike. They've never won the FA Cup. Um, they never won the Premier League before they did that either. You know, so these things have to come to an end, I guess. But for us, we're, we, we're hungry for success. And I... I don't see why we shouldn't be going for two trophies. You know, people are so, people are probably focused about this comment about egos and managers, but Manchester United are in a good position right now. And beat Leicester, and they're beating one of the best teams in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the remaining teams left in the draw. Obviously, Chelsea's still in there. Good side. Played Sheffield United, so Chelsea will be in the semi-finals. Um, you got Bournemouth and Southampton uh, playing each other some. Uh, I think there's the early kickoff, and then you've got Everton and Man City as well. Um, so that's not hugely as cut and dry as I, I would have thought. Obviously, they're, they're talking about the quadruple with City. I still wouldn't be hugely surprised if maybe Guardiola rested a few players for that for that Everton game. Like if I if if I you know if I was him, I would because he's like, what well, does he want to win more? Does he want to? Put his players through the FA Cup, or does he want to win the Champions League? I think he wants to win the Champions League more. So, um, yeah, again, for United and Leicester, this is one of those things where you think it's sort of a clear path that you can see to the final, right? When you, um, if they can, if they can get through, if either one of them can get through this one, um, Leicester are a good side. They've got a few injuries right now. Now, Rogers has adjusted to that quite well with the tactical, uh, tinkering that he's made to try and get the best out of the available personnel he's got and he's done very well with that but again United needs to, to go to go and try and win this game uh, it's, so, it's so important if United can win this and suddenly United doing an FA Cup semi-final for the Europa League um, quarter-final and United will also know with the Europa League when the draw's made today United are going to know exactly what the route is to get to the final because it's a quarter and semi-finals that are drawn today so United are going to see the whole draw laid out in front of them which I think could help preparation-wise. So this would be huge. And I think it'll just maybe suddenly United in these late stages of these competitions, second in the league, just might pep a few of those players up a bit who've maybe been flagging a bit and just give a bit of a reminder, hey, you know, you're in a big club here. You know, this running really, really means something. There's more than just top four on the line here. Yeah, no, definitely. We we, we need a trophy. I keep saying it. We need a trophy. So we need a trophy. Listen, they're a good opportunity to do that. I'm, I was nervy coming into this week ahead of the two cup games. Obviously, we've got over the hurdle with AC Milan. And kind of going off what Solskjaer said last night, I'm, confidence is, is kind of building within me as well ahead of this game. Um, you know, it, since the turn of the year, very topsy-turvy. We've been up and down. You know, we, we get a good result and then we're only... A, a corner away from another bad result. So, look, you know, you need to get over the line this weekend and, and just to be in that hunt for, for trophies, in the hunt for success. We, we were in the hunt last year. It was Soldier's first full year, but we weren't there long enough. And we need to go that extra step now and, and finally, finally clinch something. It's been too, it's been too long. Um, that moves us on to question time. If you're watching live, which a lot of you are, Use whatever platform, YouTube, um, Periscope and Facebook to ask a comment in the comment section and we'll read a few of them out. There's a few more we've got from our Facebook community as well. Um, going with the first one, Mike, it's one on Cavani. So Cavani, again, was withdrawn from the squad during the week. We're big. Well, I'm a big fan of Cavani, but I'm getting a bit impatient with the lack of football he's playing and the amount of times he's been, I guess, out injured. Have you any concerns about that? 
Yeah, usually. I, I said um, it was either Monday or it was Friday that if United went into next season with the same attackers as they have this season and Cavani as the main frontline striker, we got big problems, huge problems, actually. Um, I think they should really speed up the necessity of United going out and getting a striker this summer. And I think if this is going to be an issue, I don't think United should be looking to extend his contract. Um, but they'll have to sit down and see how much he really wants it because... Yeah, it's that's a it's a real concern now. You know, you don't want to say it's definitely over. Obviously, I look at someone like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, even though it was really satisfying to knock him out of that competition because he has his head up his own ass all the time. You know, he got a really bad knee injury when he was 35, 36, and still managed to come back and compete at the top level, which is a huge credit to him. And I've seen nothing of Cavani that suggests that he um, isn't anything but a, a really top professional who looks after himself but this is this is a real problem for United and I think it, like I said it should really focus United's mind of getting a top quality frontline striker in the summer I'm going to put a bit of pressure on Cavani's shoulders because we, we've said it a number of times about how his how he looks after himself how he's a great professional um, he's got a few months to, to prove that to me now because he, although he's been brilliant, he's performed in most of the games that, that he's played in. I think now it's the business end of the season and he's missed a lot of football. And when he plays now, I want to see a big impact. I want to see him lead the way. I want to see him guide us to, to a trophy or two this season. And if he doesn't do that, I think I look back at his time at the club this year um, a little bit disappointed. Because not enough football. If you get what I'm saying, I'm happy with his performances. As things stand, I'm, I'm very happy with the way he's played. I'm happy with the impact that he's going to have on, on some of the young players at the club. Mason Greenwood, Rashford, and hopefully Martial too, which we'll wait to see. But not enough football. Not enough football. Missed, um, missed seven of the last eight games That's at this point of the season. That's a real problem. It is, it is, exactly, and he was signed for a reason, He was because we needed a world-class striker, that's what was available, and and then to kind of, if we knew how, how, how much football that he would have missed out on this season, hindsight's a great thing, you'd wonder if, if they would have went down that route. Um, a lot of people on, on Facebook, not on the, the button that comes up here, but on the private group that we run, um, want to ask, basically, Pogba Keeper Sell. That was the most popular question last night, Mike. Pogba, keeper, sell. Where are we standing right now? Well, I'll go first. Pogba's in a bit of a situation right now because any any footballer who's worth millions, mega millions, mega money, um, their kind of plans to move around Europe right now are, I don't know, up in the air with the pandemic because clubs haven't got the money that it will take to sign them. Now, Pogba could run down his deal, of course, but I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I'd rather keep him if he, if he wants to stay and he realises that he's not going to get the, the move to Real Madrid and he sits down and says, right, I'm going to sort my act out. I guess keep him because I'm not going to... I don't trust the club, really, to, to let him go and to find an adequate replacement. We've seen it so many times in the past where top players or good players have left Man United and we haven't replaced them. And I'm talking about Cristiano Ronaldo because Paul Pogba was signed as one of those marquee players and to kind of bring that X factor to Manchester United. Although he hasn't done it, if we were to sell him, I would still expect a player of that calibre to, to replace him. Um, it all depends, really, on whether he'd be willing to sign a new contract. If he's willing to sign a new contract, then, yeah, keep him. But if he's not, they need to sell him. They need to get the money that they can get in for him because you cannot be letting him run his contract down. No, you can't. It makes the club look even more pathetic than it has looked in how it has dealt with Pogba in the last few years. So if he's not going to sign a new deal, they'll, they have to they have to cash in. The problem is, even with a year left on his deal, I still think he'd cost £60 million. We wouldn't recoup the money that we paid for him, but he would still be a lot of money. And you look, well, the two clubs that have been mainly in for him, well, that have been, well, 
the two and then like a third one that's sort of been kind of been mentioned briefly but Real Madrid who even with this apparently a bit of Saudi investment still have a, a situation with a squad where they need to get players off their books and um, obviously whether central midfield will be the biggest priority when you've got Sergio Ramos looks like he's on the way out which is why they're trying to sign David Alaba um, they need a new frontline striker as well, which may be an even bigger priority than a midfielder for them. But they need to get players off their books. They've got Jovic, who's been not worked out. He's back at Eintracht Frankfurt on loan. Eden Hazard has been a flop. Can't even stay fit. Like, just he's shocking awful, injury problems. Awful. Awful. Well, he, sh- he showed up several stone overweight, which is appalling for a professional footballer, Dale. You get this big move of your career and you show up forced on overweight. That's that's disgraceful. No, it's you know we laugh about it, Dale, but that's <laughs> that's that's not good enough. That's not good enough. You've got this move to Real Madrid. You know, it, honestly, easy to say me not being a professional footballer, but you know, yeah, I think I would have. I think I think I would have. I think I would have just taken a one week's holiday, and then I would just would have been. I would have been training and getting ready to get to Real Madrid pre-season, top shape. Let's go and hit this ground running. And he's, you know, he's he was their marquee signing, and that's not worked. Um, you know, they've signed some young players who show some promise, but it's not worked. But then you've got like Isco, who they're trying to get rid of. Asensio's not worked out. I mean, Gonzalo's still there, stealing a living. The most overrated footballer I've ever seen. How oh, that guy was ever considered a world-class fullback, I have no idea. And then you've got Casemiro, can't stay fit. Luka Modric, brilliant, but he's 35 years old. So they've got problems. And then Juve have got problems of their own with this. If Juve wanted to get Pogba in, they'd have to get Ronaldo out. Um, I think Juve are going to go for Haaland. But they'd still have to get Ronaldo out if they were going to go for Haaland. There's no question they'd have to get him out of the club. And I'm like, Ronaldo... who are the takers on Ronaldo right now? Because I don't think United will go no. for him, nor should they go for him because of his age. You know, where, where, and the other one will be PSG, but I think PSG's focuses are on tying down Neymar and Mbappe to long-term deals, which seems to be their focus right now. Mbappe's contract runs out at the end of next season, and Neymar's contract is running down quite soon as well. So, by all accounts, their focus is on tying those players down. And I think Pochettino will probably prioritise shoring up his defence a bit, I think, more than anything else. Interesting. Another question in from Brian Tyrrell, again, kind of touches on what we spoke about starting the podcast. Um, is Henderson a better choice than David De Gea? As things stand, Mike, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go. All the reasons yes. we've touched on for the last two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I, just, I think there's one more question on Henderson, which I'll, I'll jump to before we go to other bits. Dean Henderson's performance last night. A decent response for a number one after a minor setback from a week ago. Like we spoke about that, and it's exactly that was my reaction to Henderson's um, mistake. Was not to criticise him because I think he's a good goalkeeper with promise. Was to basically ask for a response, and that's what a top goalkeeper does. And we, we we've had we've had two or three years with De Gea in which we've seen a few mistakes, and I don't think he's ever been able to get beyond that World Cup. Um, Mike in 2018 with Spain when it went bad, uh, and I think yeah, not the only the, Spanish player who struggled to get beyond that World Cup either. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, so I think yes, Henderson. Henderson's our first choice now till the end of the season, at the very least. He has then to prove himself. And I tell you, last night was a good audition. Last night against AC Milan was a really yeah, good audition. Absolutely, he speaks um, a lot to his confidence and his self belief that he was able to recover from that mistake so quickly. And then go out a week later against the same team and produce that performance. The tongue-in-cheek comment we were asked, it's something that pops up after a big result and a bad result. And from two sections of the support. So it's the same phrase that people use, Ollie out, right? So we've got someone now today, Matt Henderson, who's a big, big Ollie fan. And he's he's squeezing this comment in to, to boil a bit of piss, can I say. Uh, Ollie out. Are they in? If he's a regular listener to this podcast, as I suspect he is from what you just said, that, that comment may well be aimed at me. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's probably. Look, I can't say right now whether are they in because the season hasn't ended. 
right? And, and, and I've said I've said it before. I, I think he needs to win a trophy. Um, I've been a massive supporter of Solskjaer. I still very much am. I think he's done a great job today. Um, but it won't be a great job if he ends this season without without a trophy. It's the second season in charge. I demand a trophy. We want to be fighting off front, and we've got a great chance to win the to win the Europa League. We've got a great chance to win the Europa League. We'll be able so, to really gauge it at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To go with to go with second place because I think um, we're talking about this new deal for Solskjaer last week that seems to have dried up a little bit this week with that talk and hopefully they hold off on that until the end of the season but everything looks good you know maybe give him another two years to add to the year now absolutely so with that we will wrap it up mike thanks for joining me again for today's show it's the first time we've streamed live on facebook for the strategy cast and it's been a success um 112 likes now on the stream we were also live over on Periscope and YouTube, so make sure you check them out. Thanks for everyone who has joined us live. And to those who are listening to us on the, the recorded podcast, um, you can also get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Acast. Until next week, hopefully we're talking about being in the semi-finals of the FA Cup after knocking out Leicester. We will have more on who we have in the next round of the Europa League as we look forward to, to that competition unfolding. And during the international break, we'll probably take a bit of a break um, from the podcast. But I'll make sure to get one up next week early. Um, as for now, I'm going to love you and leave you. Especially love you and leave you for those comments in the, in the section. Um, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.